Welcome to the Wise Women Diaries podcast. This is where shame and victimhood die. I am a woman that questions everything, so this podcast is a reflection of that. Here we speak on non-mainstream perspectives, like healing our childhood wounds, learning to trust ourselves, the voice of fear versus intuition, and how children are our teachers. We discuss what it looks like to own your power as a woman and step out of the medical paradigm. That's why I am obsessed with interviewing women who trust their bodies and babies in home birth and free birth and their wild journey from maiden to mother. Ultimately, this podcast is for women who want to thrive and have inner peace, learning how to take radical responsibility for their life and shed victimhood for good. All right. Hello, my name is Brenna. I'm a mama to two incredible little boys, Kai and Era. I live in Phoenix, Arizona. And some of my favorite parts of each day are going on our morning walks and watching the sunrise with the boys. And then Usually, again, at night when I get to cuddle both of them in my arms, I just feel a lot of gratitude in those moments. Yeah. Um, as a child, I was always obsessed with pregnant women and babies and birth. And I grew up watching a baby story on TLC, like a lot of us. And yeah, I just I felt called to it for some reason. I didn't know all the info, you know, I didn't know about free birth or how it was supposed to be naturally. But um yeah, I always knew I wanted children and to experience all of that. What were your thoughts about birth when you were a kid? Did you know about home birth or just birth in the uh, No, hospital? it wasn't even like it's like my soul was called to it, but I didn't know all the information. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, like literally I used to pretend I was birthing my baby dolls and like this might be too TMI, but like when I would like go poo on the toilet, I would pretend I was birthing like something about it. I wanted to do it, <laughs> you know, and I love babies. And but yeah, that opened up more as I got older. And I spent my childhood thinking I was going to be an OB, which is like cringy now. But yeah, I would have regretted that path, that long path. But I'm sure I would have found my way. But it's just interesting because now, yeah, I want to be a birth worker when my kids get older. But, yeah, there's just I think it was just intrinsic within, you know, came from within. When I was an adolescent, I was put on birth control, probably about 16, because they gave us that story of like, oh, I got that shot. The what's that shot? HPV. Yes. And I just remember the vaccine? Like, what? Yes. I got it, I think, twice. I think you need it three times. And I remember just being like, what? Like, mom, I don't even have sex. I don't understand this. But my mom was very much into the system. And that's so cringe. But yeah. And so during that time, I had really bad periods. And they labeled me with PCOS. And I remember crying in the doctor's appointment because the doctor came in. We went into their room. And he was like, yeah, this is what comes with that diagnosis. Like, more 
like you're more likely to have diabetes and heart disease and it's going to be hard for you to get pregnant. You're going to have to plan it. Like this is what this male doctor was telling me. And I busted into tears and I grew up thinking, oh, wow, like it's going to be hard for me to have babies. Like I have to plan this, you know, and periods for me were very painful and I didn't get them that regularly. Like, um, even on birth control. And then I did go off of birth and birth control and they still weren't regular. So that's interesting. I still haven't gotten my period since I gave birth to Kai, which was like four years ago. So that's pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. I got pregnant with era without ever getting my period. So that means uh, that I got pregnant the first time I ovulated. Isn't that crazy? What? Yeah, someone told me that. They were like, wait, if you never bled, then that's what happened. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, it was meant to be. When I met my partner and we decided we wanted to try to have a baby, I was like, it's going to take a while. We might, might as well start trying, you know? Like, And of course, we got pregnant within the first month. And we were super excited and super shocked. Like my partner was like, wait, I thought it was going to take a while, but that was easy. And I was like, yeah, that's crazy. And that was the undoing for me of like, wow, what you, what they tell you in the medical system is bullshit, like total bullshit. And like that started my journey, I suppose. Um, like I said, I was really excited to be pregnant. I immediately started listening to podcasts and that's when I found out about free birth. Um, I watched or I listened to probably about three podcasts and I was sold. I was like, this is for me. Like there was no question. I just felt like I I believed it to be so like women birth their babies. It's not that big of a deal. You know? Yeah. I did get one ultrasound with him. I was with a medical midwife with his pregnancy, but I got one, um, ultrasound And I actually had had an ectopic pregnancy, too. So that was part of the reason why I wanted to get the ultrasound, just to see that it was, like, implanted in the uterus. And I know they're not great, but it was, like, a really touching moment to see him in there and, like, know that they were in there. And Wait, ectopic pregnancy? Did you not want to go into that? What is that story? So that was with a partner... Um, years before. So the story behind that is, I, I mean, I've always wanted the baby, but that person, that relationship was not, not good. And I think my body knew that maybe, and maybe I was going to be pregnant, but my body was like, nope, that I feel like it protected me from that essentially. And yeah. So they told me then too, like, oh, you're going to have a hard time getting pregnant because that fallopian tube is messed up. So you only have one. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> That's interesting. So anyway, fast forward. Um, I do go in to see my midwife periodically, but she's she was okay with me denying a lot of the tests and not getting ultrasound. I just had to sign some papers sometimes. Um, I, it wasn't fun going in there though. Like I felt annoyed, but part of the pool of going in there was like a little bit of fear. Honestly, it was like fear of like, I wanted a paper trail. Basically 
I, that was in my head. That was one of my biggest fears is like, oh my gosh, what if, you know, they take my baby or something. Like I want to have some kind of trail. Like even though I knew I was going to free birth, like I was just playing along, which is ridiculous. Did she know you're playing along? No, not until the end. And I, I built, you know, a rapport with her. She was like an older hippie midwife and she was, she was sweet. But yeah, during that pregnancy, I just did a lot of walking and podcasts and talking to Kai in there. And it was it was lovely. And I was so excited. I was so confident, which is just funny. And then COVID hit in like a couple weeks before. Or was it a month? I'm trying to because Kai was born on March 25th. So his due date was like March 1st. Um, and I think COVID hit that, that year, like in the beginning of the year. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. So I used that as a, I started speaking to my midwife and I was like, Oh, I don't know what's happening. Like, I'm actually thinking of just having my baby at home. And I told her that. And she was like, Oh, I understand. Like, okay. She wasn't, I don't know for what she was and like her licensing. I feel like she was pretty pretty chill. (laughs) Um, and I'm grateful for her. Hold on. You said his due date was March 1st and he wasn't born until March 25th. I think it was March 8th, if I'm correct. Okay. That's what that, that's what the, um, ultrasound had heard. That's based off their ultrasounds. Okay. But I, I felt like that was off. So yeah, he was, he was like 43 and three days or something. Yeah. But so I felt like I knew I was getting, I knew I had gone over the due date or whatever. And that's when COVID, all this talk about COVID was coming out, like things were getting hectic. And I was just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, is this real? I was like, I don't have time for this. Like, I don't have the energy to care about this right now. Like, I don't, I don't know if it's real. And I just, it didn't feel real. You know, my partner was kind of talking about it because, Obviously, he was a little concerned. We were all kind of like, what is this, you know? And then we both came to the conclusion, okay, we're good. And, yeah, I just built my cocoon and did my thing. And, yeah, so I went into labor during the day. And I was super excited, just really too excited because I should have took a nap then. That would have really helped, but I did not. I went on a walk around my normal walk around the park with my partner and I was like, ah, oh, we're going to have a baby tonight, most likely. <laughs> ah, so naive. And yeah, the night came and went. And the next morning, you know, oh, all his, um, I thought it was really interesting because I feel like a lot of women talk about, um, the feeling as if it's like a cramping, but with him, it was so much pressure in my stomach it was like someone bearing down on my stomach and like I I was like getting pulled off my seat like I was trying to relax into it but I was like I was just getting like I was just crumbling in the waves I felt like um yeah I had this in my head like it wasn't it wasn't pain it was just pressure And that next day came and it went and I was like, okay, the baby's coming tonight. Like he is coming tonight. And he didn't come. 
And the contractions were all over the place. Like they were close together and then they were far apart again. And I was like, wow, like I was on my own, you know, um, the majority of the time. But I feel like looking back, like I, I mean, I only knew what I knew, but like I wasn't fully being a participant in it maybe like I kind of like I remember sitting on my couch a lot and just being like like sitting down instead of like moving and circling and like getting like opening up my jaw like I was just like like kind of clenched probably and I was like it's gonna happen it's gonna happen I don't need to do anything kind of mentality and yeah honestly that second morning came and I I called my mom and I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And it wasn't about the pain, which I thought was interesting. It was just like my mental capacity. I hadn't slept for two nights and like mentally, like it's just so, I feel like that's something I didn't, didn't think would happen. So it really caught me off guard. Um, I also called my midwife and she's like, oh, sounds like, yeah. I mean, you can come in if you want to. Like, I talked to my partner, too, and he was like, well, if you want to go in, you can go in. Nobody was like, you got this. Just, like, dive back in, you know? I didn't have the women. I didn't have you and the women that we know, um, which I feel like would have made a difference. Um, not that it was anyone else's responsibility or choice. Like, I, I chose to go to the hospital after that. I was just done. Like, that's the honest truth of it. You were mentally defeated? Yeah, that's what's so interesting. It wasn't like, this pain is excruciating. Like, I'm being torn apart. It was nothing like that. It was it was just like, my mind was like, exhausted. Like, exhausted. It's so weird. It's like, how do you prepare for that? Uh, I feel like having community is, or a wise woman around would have probably helped, you know? Um. But yeah, so I decided to go to the hospital. Um, it was a Catholic hospital. The midwife on call was not my midwife. <laughs> so that was interesting, but she was nice. And uh, the nurses were nice. <laughs> but I got, I chose to get an epidural. And it was like a whole nother day. till 11-11, that's when Kai came out, which was very symbolic for me because those are my numbers that I see every day and um but yeah they did they did say like oh your cervix is cervix is swollen and they gave me Benadryl (laughs) which was so weird like they were like oh we've read this somewhere that this might help and I was like okay like I'm completely out of my mind sure give me that and apparently the swelling went down so they said and um, I guess he was, I forget what it's called, but he was facing the other way and he was like cocked on his head. So I think that's why my body, the pressure was so intense because he was trying, him and my body was trying to get him in a better position. And anyway, they did kind of threaten the C-section and I was just like, what? Like, this is happening? Like, this is like, this is crazy. But it was like the twilight zone. It was like unreal. I just remember. And then I started to feel the contractions, which I was like, thank you, God. Like, at least I get to feel something. 
because I really wanted to like feel I really wanted to be able to like touch his head and like just like feel that you know like I really did want that um yeah but so at least I got to feel like something I could feel when they were coming and yeah he came out he came out at 11 11 um p.m and it was still amazing you know to have him you're just yeah. in a really interesting new position of a woman though where you wanted a free birth your desire was so strong and then you transferred to go to the hospital for reasons you couldn't have even foreseen and that's a different type of pressure or guilt i don't know what the word is because not many women i know i know a few you're one of them that you know planned a free birth and then transferred to the hospital mentally what did that feel like like afterwards or yeah during yeah, or so, after <laughs> yeah there was a lot of guilt honestly and I do feel like I've worked through it now but yeah there was a lot of guilt I was like I couldn't believe like that's just not what I wanted you know and and it was crazy because I chose it no one used scare tactics or anything like I chose it and yeah, I just didn't want that for him. And he was in the hospital and it was terrible. Like just that whole, like them coming in every two seconds. And when you're trying your best to like bond with your baby, it was just, it's nightmarish, honestly, compared to free birthing at home. <laughs> so yeah, I did have to work through that. And it took probably over a year um, just to forgive myself. And, you know, like I did the best I could and it's okay, you know. Can you can you speak to that a little in depthly because I feel like women need support with that because there's not many resources for women that have walked this path. Yeah, I mean for me, because like I feel like you know I was just like done, like I gave up essentially, which is like not really my personality. <laughs> like I I I went into that birth happy strongly I I thought I was doing it I was like there's no reason I'm not gonna get this peaceful amazing like birth there's no reason yeah. to expect that and like I got bitch slapped <laughs> like you know and like I guess cultivating that into my life I was like forgiving myself but also being like that's what that's what was meant for me you know that was what was meant for me to get and have the birth that I got with era you know what I mean? Yeah. Every birth is medicine. Right. In some way. Yeah. And maybe it was also gave me even more oomph to like, I had to speak up for my baby. They were like trying to do these silly things and I, I needed that. I, I don't know. You know, I still wish I could have gave that to him because I wonder like, oh, what, how would that have affected him to be born at home? You know? Um, I also wonder too, like our births, the way that people are birthed, is that like based on who they are? Because my yeah, son, the, the Kai, child, yes, yeah. my son Kai is intense. He is intense. And like his birth really portrays, like, yeah, it portrays that. And like I, era, era's, era's birth really, you know, goes with his vibe. So I wonder if like one affects the other or the other affects the other. You know what I mean? Like, we don't know. 
Yeah. And then a perspective I told you when we were at the park one day was something I think about. I mean, I have, I have no answers. I just like have theories and have things I think about. And I had a mushroom journey where I met the mother and it always makes me cry when I think about it because the mother is the most powerful force, right? And once you know her, there's this resonance of knowing her and you're forever changed. And when women are still in maiden energy and they're pregnant and then they go into their first birth, if you're fully in maiden energy and you haven't even tapped into the mother, the mother, and you don't know her fierceness, you don't know her darkness, you don't know her force, you don't know the underworld, A maiden that is experiencing the force of the mother in her first childbirth could run and resist and say, no, 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 no. This is too much. This underworld is too scary. This is too intense. And that I think could lead some women to tap out and be like, no, done. Like that's too scary for me. That's too much for me. Because that's how the mother can feel. And she is just a force. And she has dark and light. And then a lot of women with their second or third birth, because they've been mothering their first child, they've touched the mother. They are the mother. And it's a completely new experience for the second birth, which I feel like is your story, your journey. I don't know if that's true, but that's kind of like a story I I have about women that if you haven't touched or known the mother in your first pregnancy or first birth, you might Mm -hmm. run, run from her and like go to big daddy pharma and big daddy, as I call it, you run from the mother and you go to big daddy pharma and say like, help me, save me. Uh, Yeah. And, and, and really like... (laughs) in my mushroom journey it's like really to run to the father which is like god or yeshua instead and that's what you did with era's birth that's what you did with your second birth is like you ran to the father yeah yeah and that's why this story is so delicious (laughs) (laughs) that's so interesting yeah i've i've heard you say that before and it didn't exactly resonate till just now when you're saying like i was you know, I got to mother with Kai. And so I felt that vastness of the mother, the dark and the light through my experience. And yeah, that's really interesting. And you're no longer afraid of her because you know her and there's nothing to be afraid of. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I, I feel like I do forgive myself for that sounds silly to even say I need to forgive myself like you know like I'm bad for what I did you know I just did what I did and I know but it it was a desire and it was a goal and so even if it was you know like a business goal and you didn't achieve your business goal there's still like oh oh man you know I think it's natural totally totally and you know when I had Kyle I was like I don't know if I'm gonna have another child like I like uh, being a mother the first time. There's nothing like that. Like you're just everything's just 
looking at your baby, it's, I was a trip and it is different the second time. Not that it's not as great, but it's different. You know, the first one, it just busts you open in all the most amazing ways. How was Kai's postpartum as a first time mother? Cause normally that can be an underworld. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I was just in love. Like, I didn't have the support um, of many women, really. No no women, actually, besides my mom, really. Um, but it was during COVID, right? So I don't know. This might have been postpartum anxiety now that I've listened to some people's stories. But whatever, there was like this deep attachment with me and Kai where like I I didn't want other people holding him like I that's not how I looked at it I was just like I don't need you to hold him and I I don't want you to like he's good here you know and I that was something that was interesting especially with the in-laws you know everybody trying to touch them but I'm just like (laughs) yeah um I did have I did have postpartum anxiety though like just these weird thoughts, I guess. But aside from that, like, I was in love, you know, I just spent day in and day out with him, like napping with him, it was slow. And yeah, the second time around was 100% better. But yeah, I, I, it was COVID. So it's like, it kept everybody at bay. And it gave me an excuse to just hunker in. And did you, you know, like attachment mothering from the beginning? Were were you like breastfeeding on demand, co-sleeping, all that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, in the hospital though, like things were off. Like I got really scared um, because he was crying so much. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what that was about. Um, if it was from the birth or like the trauma from being in there or whatever. But he wasn't latching very well. And it always hurt. The whole time I breastfed with him, it was like an interesting latch, which I thought was normal until Era's experience. But yeah, I kind of struggled with breastfeeding there. And um, I, the nurse in the hospital, actually, she gave me donor's milk, which I, she was like, don't tell anybody. And she gave me these donor's milk because I was like, I don't want to do formula. What the heck? And then she gave me that to take home and Um, He ended up having a tongue tie. So I had that addressed, which felt terrible. Like that was like one of the first decisions out of the mom where I was like, I don't know if this is going to be right. I hope it is. I hope it helps you and helped us, you know, but it did like immediately he was sucking better after that. So that's how that went down. Um, Yeah. Anything, anything else about Kai's, maybe first year of life because then he was two when you got pregnant. Yeah, he was one something, I think, because I had Arrow when he was two and a half. Yeah, I mean, I loved it. It was really sweet, you know, like. And then his personality really came in. You're like, wow, you're fire. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, when they don't talk, you know, you don't, you don't really know the full spectrum I guess you could say because he was I could tell he was fired because of the way he would cry and like 
I could feel it, but yeah, it really comes out in toddlerhood <laughs> and it pretty much has blown me over. You know, motherhood has been like the most amazing experience and also the most challenging because it's like we want to do, I want to do what's best for him. I want to give him what he needs, but I don't always know how to do that, unfortunately. And it's frustrating and yeah, you just get broken sometimes and then yeah, okay, whew. All right, I'm back in the game. We can we can figure this out, you know. Um, but yeah, we've had some big challenges with him, but more so after Air was born. So, because that's what? like when he he went to toddlerhood, I feel like officially. And so, yeah, there was two things that happened at the same time. Um, but yeah, we were very close, um, very close. And what's What's one of the biggest things Kai has taught you so far? I know there's so many, but what comes to your mind right now? He is so firm on his boundaries. <laughs> Such a firm, like, if you look, if you say he's cute or you touch, like, don't touch him without asking because he will be like, no, like, he's ferocious in all the best ways. Um, yeah. I think me and my family have had issues with boundaries and like to see him so outspoken about it, even though it can be triggering, like, Oh, be kind. You know, it's also like, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Like he, some of his best qualities, you know, he's not a pushover. He's, I don't know. He like, no one's going to be able to tell him what to do. And I love that. But it also makes her a very, very defiant little toddler. And it, like sometimes, you know, toddlers don't make sense. So like it's it's busted me into pieces. But, you know, as a mother, it's crazy because you just have to have your little moment and then pick yourself back up and get back in the game. And it shows you. I think motherhood with him has been way harder than pregnancy and birth, which is interesting. <laughs> oh, thank you for sharing that. I love him. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, so Era's journey. Um, we actually ended up getting COVID. I know this because uh, my parents were sick first and they got tested and then we got sick and it was interesting. Um, so after like a week after going through that, me, Joseph and Kai, um, we were feeling better. And then me and Joseph were like, oh man, like is another baby calling? And you know, we had a moment and we were like, yeah, let's, let's do this. And it was very intentional. And lo and behold, um, that ended up being era, but rewind back a little bit. I kind of forgot that we did that. And I, we had had COVID and we're like recovering. And I started to think, what the heck is wrong with me? Like I'm feeling ill. And I was like, is this long COVID people are talking about? Like, what's going on? And I was like, oh, wait. I finally realized, oh, I could be pregnant. And so I tested, and I tested negative because it was too soon. And I was just, yeah, it was just really interesting. I, I It's like I knew, but I, I couldn't confirm. So I was like, what's going on? Because I thought maybe the sickness was from the COVID lingering because it overlapped. Um but yeah, I waited a little bit longer and then we tested and it was positive. And so that was exciting. Um, it's totally different being pregnant second time around with another 
little one, um, I found myself trying to balance, you know, I wanted me time before I had a baby, you know, I wanted to kind of have moments to myself to, I don't know, just be me, but also spend all these moments with Kai because I knew that we were bringing another person into it. And then I needed time to connect with this baby and to juggle all those things. You know, I feel like I prioritized me and Kai during my pregnancy. That's what I chose. And I'll never regret that, obviously. Like we spent like the whole summer, like going from lake to pools, um, to the river. I just floated a lot and it was just really precious. Like, cause he was in that sweet, sweet age and, yeah, it was just really special. And um, yeah, he would watch birth videos with me and he loves them even to this day. Sometimes I'm like, ah, I don't know. Should I be showing these to you still? But he loves he loves birth, too. And I love that. <laughs> I love that he knows what real normal birth should be, you know. Um, but yeah, I did a lot of a lot of floating. And that's where I found a lot of peace and um, this pregnancy, there wasn't many fears other than the thought of, well, shit, like I didn't expect what I expected last time. Like what, what am I not expecting this time? You know, um, I pretty much just wished for the best. I didn't really listen to podcasts this time either. Um, I didn't feel like I had the time. What else? I didn't, I didn't engage with the system at all this time around which was so nice. I felt like I just wasted so much energy with Kai just doing it out of fear, honestly, because I was like, I got to have this paper trail. Um, but this time I just felt free to do that. Um, oh, wait, no, no, I lied. Actually, I messaged the midwife I had with Kai and I had a meeting with her and she palpitated my stomach and she's like, okay, there's a baby in there. Just so I had a paper trail for the... I don't know if it was for the birth certificate or what, but that's what I did. And I told her I was free birthing era and yeah, that was fine. <laughs> so you had um, that one appointment, just her palpating you that your entire pregnancy. Yeah. How were you going to mentally prepare for the mental component? Like, where were you at with that? So in my head, I was like, well, I have all of you. Like, that's one thing I didn't have last time. I have so many women I could call when I've given up to help me dig back in. You know what I mean? I had women that were willing to come over, you know, and grab my face and be like, you got this. You know what I mean? Like, my partner's amazing, but, you know, he's more hands off. <laughs> he's, yeah. Um yeah, I did feel confident that I had the women this time around. That felt really good. And I knew, oh, the mother's blessing. So that was incredible. It was at your house. That Every woman should have that. Like, I love being at mother's blessings. And to receive that is so freaking powerful. Like, afterwards, you're just like, I'm ready for this. Like, I am ready. And after mine, um, two days after mine, I had diarrhea. <laughs> and I was like, what is this? 
like, is this because they were massaging me? Am I just releasing? Or is this like heading towards labor? Because I was 39 weeks with him and I was 43 and three with Kai. So I was like, no way, not even to 40. And yeah, so. Oh my gosh. Um, First, let's let's just say what a mother's blessing is for a second in case someone doesn't even know what that is. Because in our culture, people have baby showers and it's really centered around gifts. Gifts for the baby, stuff, consumerist stuff, fill the nursery with all this stuff. And the mother's blessing is about centering the mother and nurturing her and touching her and massaging her and praying over her like the most intimate vulnerable love and connection that touches you so deep which is why it was everything to you it touches yeah. your soul totally it's nourishing like what the heck have we been doing in this culture like what are we doing like it's soulless. Like I don't, I don't, I don't want to be like too mean about baby showers, but like it's empty. It's, it's consumerist. It's, and it's empty. It's buying something, but a mother's blessing is about massaging a mother and praying over her and hearing her heart and hearing the heart of her closest friends talk about her. Like the moment at your mother's blessing that just like I was crying was your mom, your mom speaking to who you are because she knows you for your whole life. And that just hit me. That got me like knowing your mom and her speaking of you. Yeah, <sighs> I was choking up there. I was just <laughs> I was laying on my back. Yeah, that was a very special moment. Um, but yeah, I'm just really grateful for all you women because that was unreal. Um, your mom is a component of this though, that wasn't really involved in your first birth and she really oh, yeah. is in your second. Yeah. Do you want to speak to that? Yeah. So I was essentially scared. I wanted my mom with Kai, but I told her I would invite her if I felt like it in my birth because I, she was very much, she still kind of is like, she just believes in all like. She goes to the doctor. She gets antibiotics, you know, which is fine if that's what she wants to do. But yeah, it's just she was she expressed some fears around free birth. Like, what if this like and I was trying to talk with her just like I did with my partner to kind of give her that confidence. But then I'm like, what am I doing? Like you're give, like you're showing me your vibe around it. And that's not coming near me. I love you. And you're such a good caretaker. And I want I want you to watch me do this, but like, God forbid you do something or, you know what I mean? So yeah, so she wasn't really invited to my first and I think it wouldn't have done anything, honestly. Um, but yeah, so my second, she, I could feel a shift. Like she was way more confident. I don't know why. Oh, a little background too. For this birth, I planned to birth at my mom's, my mom and dad's house. So my mom has, she's an energy worker. She has a room that I really loved and we had cleared all her stuff out and put a bed and I set up my stuff and I just would go in there when I was pregnant with Era. And yeah, so the idea was to birth there. So like my mom could 
cater to me. <laughs> and yeah, and it worked out perfectly. She had a nice tub too, which I didn't use, but the idea was that I was going to use that. <laughs> and yeah, so back to two days after the mother's blessing, I had the diarrhea and then I uh, woke up at like five in the morning, I would say. And I was like, oh, here's the cramping that everybody's talking about. And it reminded me of when I got my period way back when. And I was just like, this is really interesting. <laughs> and then I woke up again at like six and I was like, oh, I'm not, this is a little uncomfortable, you know, like, ugh, it's bothersome. And then at seven, when I was supposed to be getting ready and doing breakfast, I was just like, oh, Oh no, I, am I in labor? It caught me off guard. And I was like, I, I literally said like, I don't really want to do this today. Like I just, I wasn't prepared <laughs> for this. I hadn't put up my birth. You got like all the women made me the um, affirmation cards, which were amazing. And I hadn't hung them. And I called my mom and I was like, uh, mommy might want to hang those up. And I was just in a state of confusion, honestly, because I hadn't felt those, that sensation. And I called my best friend at the time and she was like, well, Brenna, maybe you should just go to your mom's. And I was like, OK, I guess. And I told Joseph, OK, maybe you should call off work. Let's just go over there. And he was like, are you sure? And I'm like, no, I'm not sure. But let's just like, God forbid, I'm in the car really having pain, you know. Um, so we went over there. Oh, and as Joseph, I, I went out to the car with Kai. I was totally able to move. Like, I wasn't, like, bent over having to pause or anything. Um, but I just remember a special moment in the car with Kai um, while Joseph was getting our stuff. Um, I just took his little hand, and I was like, all right, Kai. Like, like the baby's coming. And I just, like, started bawling because I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, looking at you and you're going to be a big, bigger boy now. Like everything's going to change, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know, kind of, kind of grieving it. Um, and yeah, so we got in the car, we got there. Um, my dad hadn't, um, installed these things that hung down from the ceiling, which were very helpful because the, I pretty much labored standing up the whole time. I just like hung on to those and it was just easy peasy. I don't know. I, I kind of was resistant at first and I could feel the, the cramping, but I didn't feel like it was getting too crazy. I don't know. But then, um, my family was out of the room. Um, Kai was just playing and he would pop his head in here and there, but he wasn't really, he was giving me space. I think he just knew, right, which is interesting. Um, but I remember laying on the bed and looking at my fairy lights with all my cards and I was reading each one and I was like, mentally, I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. Like it's on. And then I just started circling my hips and I was making noises, like deeper noises, like with my jaw unhinged. And um, I could definitely feel them getting stronger. And I went to the shower and I was getting pretty loud in there. And then I remember going back into the room, getting no position really felt very good, um, like on my knees or in, on the ground or anything. But um, I eventually started, I went to my knees and sat with my legs back and I put a blanket over me and I started circling my hips. 
and because the pain was getting getting pretty uncomfortable. Um, but I remember sitting there circling my hips and like I could envision like the energy of the contractions, like the pain, if you will, like I almost felt it going through me like I could see it. And like I like grabbed it all out of the ether or whatever you want to say. And it like it's like I opened up the channel and when I like let it all fall through the pain just went away and my water burst and like, it felt so good. Like that's when it, like, I felt like I was floating in the stars and like, I felt warm and cozy and I stood up from there and I, that's when I started just saying, Oh God, thank you, God. Thank you. Like I have a video of it, which I love to watch. Yeah, I stood up. I was in my the birth pool, which wasn't filled. And I put my hand down there and I was like, oh, my gosh, the baby's coming. And everybody, Joseph came in and I was like, Joseph, what are you doing? And he was like, what do you mean? What am I doing? I'm like, the baby's coming. And he's like, what? Are you sure the baby's coming already? And I'm like, yeah, set up the camera. And so he put the camera on the tripod and he got my mom and they started filling up the tub, which wasn't working out and which was fine because I wasn't about to go in it. But I just remember them fiddling with the tub and I looked down. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, that's irrelevant right now. And I I could feel the baby drop in and I felt with my hand, which is something I've been wanting to feel my whole life is to feel the head like right there at the vagina. And it like that was just incredible. Like. It, it's what I always wanted. Yeah, it just happened really fast, honestly. I was like, it's coming. And there's a part in the video where I'm like, okay, guys, I think I'm going to scream soon because, you know, everyone talks about the ring of fire. And I was like, oh, this is probably going to hurt me. And like, it just kept opening and it didn't hurt at all. Like, it, I was just so in awe of my body, of what was happening. And I was so grateful and I feel like being grateful and wanting to feel it is kind of what helped the pain not be painful anymore. You know, I think, oh, this is an important analogy. I, I listen, I heard someone else, another woman a long time ago talk about it on a podcast, but it's like pain, like think about a hose. It's like kinked up. If you're holding and you're clenching, the hose is like kinked, right? And the pressure just builds essentially making it more painful but if you can unkink the hose and let it just flow then it just and I truly believe like every woman has the capacity to get to that point I really believe that that's how birth should be you know um just that transition into pure bliss and it feels ecstasy (laughs) Yeah, it feels like, I mean, you are two totally different women with each birth. And the first birth, you like resisting the ride and maybe not fully embodied. The second birth, you feel in your body. Yeah, It's just night and day. And I think who you were for the first birth versus who you are now, you're able to fully surrender and trust like the great mother and the great father and actually commune with God, which to me, I love when you speak of how God was so present in your birth, because I feel like Mm 
it is the most pivotal moment a woman could touch God. And a lot of women don't experience that. Yeah, I know. It's a freaking shame because everybody can. And I hate to say should, but like, yeah, like that's what we're meant to do in those moments, I feel like. And yeah, it was just it was just me and God and my baby at that point. And I was just really grateful to be able to touch down there and feel his head coming slowly out. It it actually didn't feel very slow, actually. It was just like he was there and then it bulged and then his head came out and then his whole body just came out. And I was like, what the heck? Like just total awe that like, yeah, just the whole thing was easy and like perfect. Like not that it has to be easy to be perfect, but it just, there was no getting in my head. It just happened. And yeah, so he came out at 106 and it was just amazing. I was like, we have a baby, Kai. Like he got to see his brother be born. And yeah, so I just sat there with my mom and Joseph and Kai there. And then my dad came in the door <laughs> just after and he was like, oh man, I missed it. Like, yeah, but at least he's there for that part because he was a little nervous. But um, yeah, that was just really special. And then I was sitting there in bliss. And then all of a sudden I just felt like the contractions again. And I was like, what the heck? And my placenta just plopped out and it was huge. It was huge. Like I've seen my friends give birth and theirs are so small. Mine was like a huge piece of meat, like heavy and that that was again I was shocked because you know I feel like a lot of people it, there's just so much pressure on the placenta in all these stories that yeah. I don't really understand you know like we gotta oh we gotta think about it oh like what I I'm just curious what all that's about because there was no thinking about it it just came out like literally I think it was 12 minutes after I gave birth um yeah, I did have the after pains with this one. Those caught me by surprise. I like right almost right away. I was like, oh, like the lovely um, ecstasy, ecstasy feeling like started to wear off and I started to get random um, contracting, um, which is fine. But um, yeah, that's pretty much it. We um, I just felt energized and like. And compared to the hospital, you're just drained and sad and just like, where am I? You know, it's cold. And like there you're just like, oh, I'm in my cozy bed. I took a bath. We don't have to cut the cord on any time. Like we did end up cutting the cord faster than I thought because it was very uncomfortable. It was wet and cold and yeah. Um, but we all climbed into bed and I was just, I was on cloud nine. I was texting my family, calling my family. I don't know what the heck I was doing. <laughs> I was just, I was just <laughs> energized, which was interesting. I didn't call everybody, but I like called my dad, you know, my other dad. And yeah, I was just, I was like, wow, <laughs> that was crazy. And then that night, um, oh, era, he latched with such ease. Like it didn't hurt at all. It was wonderful. Um, and that night, he didn't cry once. 
and I literally, I would wake up. I think I got the least amount of sleep because I was just like, what is he doing? He was just so peaceful, like so content that I kind of was just like, whoa, like, are you okay? (laughs) And yeah, we slept very pretty well that night. And even today, like as a baby, he, he never cried during the night. He just would, you know, he would wake up and give him the boob and that was that. <laughs> so that's kind of his, his vibe. He's just very content, peaceful little, little boy. And oh, so with the par- postpartum with him, um, something, it was, it was beautiful. We had so much support from you and all our friends, like bringing us delicious meals and just, I stayed at my mom's house for a week and just got waited on hand and foot, which was lovely. Um, and then we went home and I actually, the hardest part about that postpartum was grieving just, how do I want to explain it? Like grieving just being a parent to Kai, which is kind of weird to say. I feel like no one, I've never heard someone talk about that before, but like uh, my heart was a little bit broken. Like I felt, obviously I have this new baby here who needs me 100%. And like ever since Kai was born, I, I held him to sleep. And when I, that was really hard, like having to breastfeed Era, but like I couldn't lay with both of them. And so it was Kai screaming at night, like, and he had to go with Joseph. And like, that's just what had to happen. Like everybody had to shift, you know, um, when Era was born. And I just remember me and Joseph, we would sob for like at least a week. Every time we would put Kai to sleep. We would just sit there around him, just looking at him and talking about him. And yeah, he just, it's like he grew, you know, he just catapulted. And yeah, that's just something that really caught me off guard. Um, Obviously, everything feels good now. Like there's a balance. I get to hold them both at night, which that's why I'm so grateful because it wasn't always like that. Um, Kai had to sleep with like cuddled up to Joseph, which, you know, it's fine, but (laughs) a little heartbreaking. (laughs) yeah thanks for speaking to that because it is a heartbreak for so many mothers but it's not really spoken about yeah 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 so he loves his brother (laughs) yeah so what is the medicine of era what does era teach you what has he taught you so far the little sweet soul or even his birth, like the medicine of his birth even. Yeah. So <laughs> that was an interesting one to cultivate, like to unpack for me. Cause I was just like, had this weird imposter syndrome. Like, of course I wanted the, the pleasurable birth, but I thought that was like reserved for a certain kind of woman. Like I thought that was for like people who meditated or this or that, like this silly idea in my head that I wasn't worthy of in a pleasurable birth. It it just was weird. And then I had it and I was just like, why, how, like, what does this mean? And like, um, I just remember thinking like, wow, I guess I am worthy. (laughs) Like it showed me my worthiness, which is, embarrassing to say but 
yeah for every woman like every woman can claim that I don't know I wonder I don't know I think that's amazing (laughs) is there anything you want to speak to on motherhood is there anything that you left out of any pregnancy or birth that you are remembering you have to speak on or do you want to close it out do you want to speak on motherhood pits pits and peaks (laughs) or anything just anything you don't even have we could close it out now yeah um I do have a thought you might want to edit this out I don't know but we'll go with it um I feel like in our community there's essentially we all want to do what's best we prioritize our children we want to give them what they need and be what they need to help support them on their journey. And I think sometimes in our uh, community, it's like we put all this energy on centering the mom during birth and postpartum. And then there comes a time sometimes, I know I've felt it and I've been the judger of it when a mom has like an older child and like, they're just having a hard time and like it's not like a reflection of like how shitty a job they're doing they're just trying to navigate it and I think sometimes it's like it's hard because I I, sometimes I personally feel like I struggle to be authentic and chat about like what I'm going through because I don't want to be like I don't know. Like, I don't want to be like complaining, but like, it's like a sincere, like, I want to talk this through. But sometimes I feel feel like moms feel isolated and like being honest about their struggles because I don't know. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, it almost feels like, yeah, like, like the comparison of like, they're supported during postpartum and this and that. But then when the child gets older, then it's like the mom needs to shut up now and like not not speak about the the troubles like but like obviously there's a difference between like talking and like complaining about their child and blaming their child but then like actually moms who like want maybe support or insight from other people on how the best I don't know because we're just trying you know like I don't always have the answers I'm just trying different maneuvers and praying (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're finding your way. And I think there's people like myself who love to verbally process. (laughs) I love to verbally process. One time I was going through something and I called a few different people. No one was picking up. I'm like, I need to talk to someone. (laughs) How am I going to get through this? (laughs) I'm the same way. And I, I think that's just like a personality thing. That's how we process and that's okay. Like, it doesn't mean we need approval, but it's like how we can see things better to process them. And yeah. 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 It feels like you're speaking to like, there's, there's, there is toxic mommy culture where you're just complaining and like making jokes at the expense of your child, which is different Mm -hmm. that like, we don't resonate with that energy, but I think you're speaking to going through something so hard and being with women and vulnerably sharing that and having intimacy with that 
and not wanting to be judged on that. Like, I, I think everyone feels that I, you know, I feel that, um, Mm. yeah. And that's, that's like true intimacy and connection with other women, which takes a lot of courage. And I think I actually was just talking to the, to someone about this, that a lot of the online spaces, online memberships or, um, Facebook groups or just online friendships, I think feels safer to some women because there's not that intimacy Mm. because in person it's different in person you really have to look at your sister wounds in person you have to get uncomfortable like am I being judged right now based on this like it's there's just a lot there because it's in being in relationship with other humans and that's where we learn so much yeah, we learn exactly. so much. Yeah, I love it. I love. I'm so grateful for all you women because yeah, it's helping me grow. I'm so thankful that you invited me on this podcast that, and that I chose to do it because it's like this is what it is to be alive. You know, like yeah, feel the fear yeah. and do it anyway because you have the opportunity to feel it. Like, be human, and I'm just I'm grateful. <laughs> <laughs>